If you weren't curious about what was in the bin before I spilled stuff, then you really are now. Uh, we'll get to the bin in a minute. Um, so Bryn and I, Bryn and I argue. We have a really good marriage, uh, but the, but the the low point of our marriage is that we we argue and we fight. I mean, we totally trust each other. We like each other, which is nice. I mean, six years into our marriage, we still like each other, and it's it's pretty genuine most days. Uh, and uh, We've never gone to sleep still angry at each other, and I've stayed up, to be honest with you, way later than I've wanted to stay up because I just, I'm fighting anger, and I'm not going to go to sleep until uh, I'm done being angry. Uh, we like it when we can get alone time together and get away together and um, still sleep in the same bed with a dog in between us, but, uh, but you know, I mean, I've heard people share, di- have different rooms. We don't, we don't do that. Uh, we... We have a, a good marriage. I mean, I would, I, you know, comparatively speaking to what I know of a lot of other marriages in our world, I would say we have a great marriage. But we argue, and if you would have known us as six-year-olds from what I hear about Bryn and what I know about myself, you would have kind of guessed that, hey, if those two kids ever get married, they're probably going to argue sometimes. Uh, we've both never been wrong. So, uh, so when we disagree about something, then it's, it, you know, there's some tension. There's a, there's a problem there when I'm right and Bryn thinks she's right. Uh, and, and so we argue. Um, if we have any problem in our marriage, it's that we, that we argue. Um, we fight. We get mad at each other. Uh, and usually we're pretty good. We're, we're learning six years in to, to fight well, you know, to disagree well. And we're not there, but we're getting there. Uh, but we almost had a, a real fight this week. Uh, and it was over this. So if you haven't seen the dress yet, it's everywhere on the internet. If you haven't seen the dress, then you need to be more socially aware. Um, but this dress took the internet by storm the last couple days uh, because who sees a, the right color? Who sees a blue and black dress? Raise your hand. And who sees a white and gold dress? Yeah. So this dress like has set the world abuzz because it, about 50% of people see a white and gold dress and about 50% of people See a blue and black dress. I see Michael and Naomi about to have an argument right here in the front. <laughs> like, we're not trying to cause arguments here. And when you see the other side, you just can't. I have seen white and gold a couple of times, actually, just when my eyes weren't adjusted or something. It was really surreal that it flipped and then it flipped back. But, like, people have been arguing about this because, you know, we, we look and we're like, well, you're wrong. It's clearly blue and black, right? Because if you see blue and black or white and gold, you're thinking right now, I know what you're thinking in your head. How could anybody be, are they colorblind? Uh, Brent accused me of that. I mean, how could they see anything else? So this is how it looked for us. Uh, Bryn is like, you are colorblind. I am a graphic designer. That's like she is. And so like, it is white and gold, which is a good trump card you know but if i did that with the bible nobody would care look i'm right you're wrong i'm a pastor you know but Bryn, like i'm a graphic designer. she has her computer out she's pulling up photoshop and she's like trying to show me that it's gold and white and and, and slowly as most arguments do 
it starts to develop. Like we're getting mad at each other about this blue or black or gold or white. Like where it didn't get too far, but like we're going to end up saying things regret. Regret. Well, you know, your mother said that thing to me this one time, you know. I mean, I, I, her mom's very nice to me. But uh, uh, so we're like moving down this line. And we saw it coming and we broke it up and, uh, and it was fine. But here's like, okay, here's the question. This is the thing with most of our fights. It's really easy for us not to go to bed mad at each other because, um, because most of our fights, by the time we go to bed, it's like, what were we arguing about right there? I mean, why did, really a blue and black dress, which it is, I was right, she was wrong. But uh, I mean, like, really, was that going to turn into an argument and most of our fights are that way. I mean, we always kiss right before we go to bed. Sick, too much information. Uh, but we always kiss right before we go to bed. And, and, just, and most of the time, there needs to be no discussion when we've had an argument during the day. Like, let's solve this every now and then there is. Like, look, we're at an impasse here. Something needs to be talked about and we need to fix this. But most of the time, it's like, uh, I don't know why I was mad, but I was mad about that thing, you know. And here's, here's the question, I mean, why do the fights take place in the first place? Well, what? This is the question. This is the big question today. What causes fighting? Arguing, quarrels, you can fill in the blank with the word wars. What, what causes these things? I mean, why is it that I felt like having an argument? What is it? And I don't want to tip my hat too much, but what is it inside of us that leads to arguing and fighting? Now, last week we said wisdom is really dictated by what we are trying to achieve. And we saw just briefly last week in the sermon that wisdom is peaceful. And so James is doing this thing here where he's going to flip subjects. He's like, look, if you really want to be a wise person, if you really think that your life is driven, driven by wisdom, then, then you should have a life full of peace. But most of us, not all of us. I know some people who never argue and never fight. But most of us struggle with not butting heads with somebody else or some organization or whatever. And I think that, that almost all of us can right now, I mean, we know. I mean, you think about it like, like what's, I mean, I, I fight with my spouse, I fight with my siblings, I fight with my parents, I, I get mad at this certain group, I get mad with, at this guy at work, and we argue, and we butt heads, and it's difficult, and, uh, and, and I think, I think one question that's very, very important that, that maybe you've never really dealt with is, what causes it? And it's a big deal even beyond ourselves because the world is just rife with, with fighting. I mean, we look around the world and we just see fighting. I mean, you can look at, at schools and the things that happen in schools where kids get mad at each other and it kind of picks up on social media and then eventually somebody shoots somebody or we have suicides now that take place over these things. And, and, and it's like, what's the, the, like the center of that? What leads this bickering in the first place? What is driving that? I mean, you look at wars that start and like what, it, all this war comes from some kind of conflict that starts at some point in time and, and it builds and builds and builds. You can think about the gang problem that, that America still has uh, and it seems like we don't talk about it in white suburban communities anymore like we did in maybe the, the early 90s and late 80s, but it still exists and it still exists very strongly. And Like what makes these gangs 
fight and, and battle. And you get on Facebook and you see these arguments all the time, Republican and Democrat. And, uh, and thankfully, the dress saved us from all kinds of arguing about important things over the last couple of days. I mean, like, should I vaccinate my children? And uh, should I put my kids in public school or homeschool them? And, you know, I mean, all this stuff. And, like, what is at the core of it? And, and that's James 4.1. It's a question that hopefully, I mean, if you care at all about being a good person and care about at all about the world, then you should care about this question. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? What causes it? It's a huge question because our marriages depend on this in some ways. Our children parent relationships depend on this i mean kind of the school violence that we have depends on this gangs and and even church because the world hates and we hate that that there's been so much fighting in churches churches get in these horrible arguments i heard a story recently that i won't tell you publicly but oh it's like how can a church be that mean to other people and get that upset i mean what is going on what causes these things that lead to these other things that eventually are really really bad most of us have an answer, and our answers go like this. What causes fights and quarrels amongst us? My wife. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, oh, my stupid friends. If they would all just think like me and be like me, then, I mean, the answer is obvious. My stupid friends cause these fights that we have. Uh, a lot. My temper. A lot of people, I mean, that's, kind of, I mean, that's what, even myself most of the time. If I, and I don't have a, a real bad temper, but like there is a temper inside of me. It's like, oh, I just need to control this better and we'd never have another argument or at least another bad argument. Uh, my insufficient relationship with my mom and my dad. And that's probably, my mind will see, maybe the most right. Uh, but it has other things that are going to kind of come off of that. But, but like we blame somebody else and uh, the crap in my life. I'm just so stressed out by work, and then I come in here, and you don't have dinner on the table, and uh, I don't really ever say that. But, uh, you know, like, I mean, that's like, it's, you know, it's the stuff in my life, and if, if life was just peaceful, if I lived in Hawaii and I could sit on the beach all day, then I would never have an argument with anybody. That's not true, because me and Bryn go on vacation together, and she gets the directions wrong, and, it, you know, and then argument, right? Uh, but we think this, like, we have these excuses for what causes the quarrels and the fighting and, and this, this kind of tension between us. Uh, Charlotte Church, you've heard of her. She sings well. Uh, upon the divorce uh, with her husband, uh, Gavin Henson, he said this, we loved each other, but we weren't good for each other. And I'm just going to quote the article, so it's not cool. He says, adding the things that had turned sour between them and that, constant, and that the constant rowing was not good for the kids. It's no secret that we weren't getting on, but we didn't want to drag it out for another couple years, he adds. I couldn't have the children being five or six years old and crying because we were arguing. I wouldn't want to tear the family apart then. That's horrible. I'm not from a broken home. It's the last thing I wanted for my kids, but I just knew it wasn't going to ruin their lives if we carried on. It was going to ruin their lives if we carried on. I don't want them growing up with issues. By doing it this way, yeah, divorce doesn't do that. I'm just sorry. I'm from a divorced home. I have issues. Um... By doing it this way, when they're young, they'll grow up thinking it's normal to see mummy, <laughs> he's British, mummy some days and daddy the others. It was a brave decision, but a sad one, he adds. I thought Charlotte and I were going to be together forever. We loved each other, but we weren't good for each other. We were arguing a lot. Not over anything in particular, 
But these things build up and up. Every partnership has its problems, and you work through them or you don't. I guess we didn't. Isn't that interesting? I don't, I don't bring that up to talk about the divorce. I, divorce happens. We don't hate you if you're from a divorce. I love both of my parents, and I'm just fine. I'm here. I'm not doing any drugs or anything. Uh, but look at the, like just the, his presupposition. We fight because we are who we are, and it just wasn't going to work between the two of us. You know what statistics tell us about divorce? We have some people very faithful in this church that, that kind of bucked this statistic, and I'm thankful for that, uh, my dad being one of them. Uh, but, but statistics tell us that when a person gets divorced and they get remarried, then the, the chances of them getting divorced again is way higher th- than in their first marriage. And, and I think it's because what we see in old Gavin Henson here, like he just kind of looked and said, well, we fight, his answer, because we're not with the right person. And the only solution is for us to go our separate directions. And isn't that, uh, a lot of times, we, we think there's two choices. We butt heads, and we get mad at each other, and we just keep yelling, and we ruin everything for the children. Or... We just go our separate ways. And this isn't just a marriage thing. I mean, you think about any relationship that you have. Uh, you got a friend. You're like, well, we butt heads a lot. And you either just kind of say, well, that's the relationship we have. We're just going to be mad at each other. We're going to yell at each other. Now and we'll punch each other if you're males. And then, uh, or you say, well, I'm just not going to be a friend anymore. I'm done with that. You think about your relationship with your parents. I mean, a lot of people, as maybe some in this room, it's like, well, you know, whenever I see my parents on Thanksgiving and Christmas, we just, we just go at it, and so let's just kind of pretend the relationship isn't there, and, and we'll just kind of move on. Or you just say, well, they make me so mad, you know, and then you show up and you fight. I mean, these are seemingly are the choices. And I want to point out once again that I don't think we have the right just to dismiss, whether Christian or not Christian, just dismiss this topic and say, well, if it doesn't work, we just move on. Because this issue of what causes fighting is a big deal because it expands and it expands and it expands. We see that it ruins marriages. It ruins families. We see that it ruins nations. We see that it ruins churches. We see that it ruins neighborhoods. We see that it ruins whole structures of individuals and organizations. I mean, fighting leads to really bad things. And so we have to say, okay, James, you got me. I mean, you're writing the Bible. That's a big deal. It's a great document. Even if you're not a Christian, I mean, it's a great document full of wonderful truth and, and great things. And so what, what is the answer? James 4, 1, the rest of it, and 2. Don't they come from desires that battle within you? No, it's from my wife. Don't they come from desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. James, again, uses this, this, these words that means war and fight. The word for quarrel, it's a weird translation because it actually means war. You war and fight because you don't have, that's what he says, what you desire. James' answer. I'm going to explain in a second, but let's just stop. Let's let that kind of sink in. You fight with whoever you fight with because both of you probably, or both groups, don't have what they want. Your desires are not fulfilled. The word desire, Greek word, is hedene. Uh, It means delight or enjoyment, 
pleasure. And it doesn't imply positive or negative in the uh, Greek world, the Greco-Roman world. But in the New Testament, it is only used for some type of negative thing. Listen to how it's used. 2 Peter 2.13. They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to caress in broad daylight their blots and blemishes, reveling in their pleasures with the, or while they feast with you. Luke 8, 14. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, talking about the gospel, I mean, think about it, this is a big deal, who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Titus 3, 3. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures we lived in malice envy being hated and hating one another now here's here's just if you're not a christian and what the bible tells us is that your life is is driven is dictated by these desires to be filled to feel better and it acts out in a lot of ways, and we'll get to more of this in a second, but like you say, well, I, I desire more money, and, and your life is driven by that, and it's really a desire for something else, I would argue, you know, something deeper, you want to be satisfied, or you want to feel good about yourself, or whatever, and money's the way to do that, and, and your life is kind of driven by that. What the Bible tells us is that when people become Christians, the Holy Spirit comes into our life in some type of supernatural, metaphysical even way, and, and all of a sudden... We have two natures at work in us. This kind of fleshly nature that desires just to fulfill uh, my need, hedonism, worship of flesh, worship of feeling good, worship of pleasure, and this new nature that's driven by the Holy Spirit who has come inside of me that, that really wants to do godly things and live out my godly nature and please God and, and wants to be filled up with the things of Him. And so as a non-Christian, you're just driven by, I want stuff for my flesh so that I can feel better somewhere in my soul. As a Christian, it would be nice to say, Holy Spirit comes in, all those evil desires move out. But, but as a Christian, we have two things at work within us, Paul says. And they battle within us. They come from the desires that battle within you. And what Paul is saying to Christians, he's writing to Christians, is that the spiritual nature has come into your life, but this old nature where, where you just want to fulfill the flesh and, and be satisfied all the time and, and pleasure has become really your God, the very thing that you live for, it's battling against that spiritual nature inside of you. It's trying to take over your life and say, look, it's all about you and it's all about being pleased and it's all about feeling good and it's all about being happy and everything being good and you getting what you want, the greatest food and the greatest drink and the greatest house and the greatest car. And it's battling against what you know to be right and what you know to be good and it's trying to make it the priority of your life. Paul, who wrote that Titus passage I just read, Said in Romans 7, and 23, for in my inner being I delight in God's law. But check this out. And this is like one of the greatest men ever to live in my opinion. But I see another law at work in me waging war against the law of my mind and taking and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Like one of the greatest Christian people ever to live says, look, I want to live for Jesus, but there's something else that goes on inside of me that is battling against that and making me want to live just so that my flesh is satisfied. And then he calls himself a wretched man and says, thank Jesus after that. The non-godly desires, the desires that, that all human beings have, 
are waging war inside of you. If you're a non-Christian, they don't want you to become a Christian. Let's be honest with you. They, they battle against that. And if you are a Christian, they're battling against you really being filled and living out the faith that God has called you to. John Calvin said this, the soul of man is insatiable when he indulges wicked lusts and truly it is so. For he who suffers his sinful propensities to rule uncontrolled will know no end to his lust. Were even the world given to him, he would wish other worlds to be created. Isn't that the truth? I mean, when we get this stuff that causes these battles, we, we still want more. And I want to point out, before we, we kind of get to what's in the box over here, I want to point out that, that these desires, while a lot of times we think in terms of, of the very physical, they really, they have, I think, as I kind of mentioned, like something deeper inside of us. Like, we say, well, I, you know, I'm mad because I want a new car, and that guy at the car dealership wouldn't give me the price I asked for, right? Uh, and, and we think, well, I, I, my wife, you know, she was... I don't know, I wanted her to get the right direction, but I think there's you know, something deeper than just wanting the right directions or whatever. Uh, I think like th- that we have these kind of, these things that we, that we feel a need for that sometimes are good, like security and respect and power and we wanna belong and we wanna be successful and we want people's affection and we want people's love. And sometimes the, the outside stuff, the new car that we want and, and, and you know, the, all the stuff that kind of, man, we dream of in life, the American dream. It's all kind of a mask for like, we want this stuff. Paul says, look, the problem is, what causes fightings is that you want stuff so bad and you fight and, and to use the word kill and hopefully you haven't done that lately. But most of us don't kill. I mean, well, that's not a thing. But Paul is showing us what the end of this is. These uncontrolled desires and we'll fight 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 and ultimately we see this, we know this, ultimately it leads to somebody pulling a trigger because they wanted something so bad that they just couldn't have and they thought that somebody else stood in the way. So here's, here's what Paul is saying, I think. This is, uh, I haven't named them, um, Notice they're black and blue before I even start. Um, yeah, fighting. See the details. This is like uh, Mr. Meanie and Mr. Happy. We'll call them that. I didn't take time to name them. And, uh, and they fight. You can make them male and, and female if you're having trouble with your marriage and you're arguing a lot. And, you know, because then you can apply and you make your spouse the mean one. Um, or whatever you want to do. That was a joke. It wasn't funny, apparently. But, uh so here's, here's our lives, right? And what happens in our lives, if this represents you and, and somebody else, what Paul is saying is that you want certain things. And really, you think that the other person, Mr. Happy, stands in the way of you getting those things in some way. It may be true, it may be not true, but what Paul, uh, excuse me, I don't know why I keep saying Paul. Now I've got Paul in my head. James is saying, and God is saying through James, is that you think that this person stands in the way of you getting the things that you want. Money. Sometimes we want money. And we think that this guy over here, Mr. Happy, is blocking us from getting money. And here's what happens. There's stuff inside of us. Angry words, emotions, there are mean actions, there are, are 
old put-downs that we know will work on our friend or our spouse. They're inside of us. And what happens is we go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're in the way of me getting money. And what happens here is that you go, you're in my way, your boss, your coworker, of me making money. And we start to hit. And stuff starts spilling out of us. And sometimes, I mean, we could crack the other person. For life, I mean, we leave these, this damage that, that just lasts forever. But we, we just go, you're in my way. And, and I, I need to get that thing. And so we fight. And the stuff, the stuff, and that's a whole different sermon. In that illustration, the stuff spilling out part is actually stolen from Andy Stanley. But, but like stuff spills out and it leaves the other person hurting. And, you know, like I want that new car or I want prestige. I, I, I don't think it'd fit in this car here. But like I, you know, if, if you're standing in the way of me being cool, of me looking good around you. And, and so, I mean, maybe Mr. Happy wants this one. And this is like an area where he really struggles, even though he's a pretty nice guy. Uh, and he's like, you're in my way. And stuff starts spilling out. And this bad stuff goes out and hurts and spills all over the world and sometimes goes into the other person and, and then they'll spill it out later. Uh, and, and, I mean, maybe sometimes, like, uh, you know, you want to win because we see it in fighting. I mean, this is one area where I, I want to win, you know? I mean, oftentimes, whether it's symbolically win or the trophy, and, and we see fighting in sports, and it's like, you're in my way. I want to win. And we just, we just bang against people emotionally, and we, we just hit them, and we come at them, and we, we say what we need to say, and we do what we need to do to make it happen. And, and maybe, like, you want a dinosaur, um, and somebody gets in the way of that. Uh, I, I looked through my toy box, uh, and I had a dinosaur. And I was going to use it to represent, like, moving up in the corporate ladder, uh, like that. But it didn't really work in my head. Uh, and, and a big one, one that we see a lot. It's almost lost me a friendship once. We see the girl. <laughs> You're like, oh, man, Mr. Happy uh, is going to get it. I love this girl. And, and this guy's. I mean, he's mean. And the mean guys are always cooler. Um, and, you know, I mean, that's how our world is. And, like, get out of my way, you know. I mean, get out of my, oh, and now my car. You ruined my car. Uh, and and we, we just, we want stuff. And we think that somebody else stands in the way of us getting that thing. And so we fight and we quarrel. And sometimes, it, I mean, you, you know, it's usually not over winning a trophy. And, and if you're married, hopefully it's not over a girl. Uh, and it's not oftentimes over money. It's more often about this stuff that I just read to you about. I want to feel secure. And, and, you know, when my husband, uh, I don't have one, but you know what I mean. Uh, when my husband stays out late without telling me, then something inside me says, am I really secure in this, in this marriage, and so then he comes home, and, and he's just working late, you know, he's a trustworthy guy, get off his back, and, and all of a sudden, you're just, you're just spilling on him, you're just, you're just hurting him, and it's hurting the relationship, and you want respect, and, and, and part of it's just respect and embarrassment, and here's the big thing, L- listen, listen to what James says next, you, you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. It says you don't ask God. That's a big deal. But here's, here's the part that I really want to focus in on. I think a lot of times we don't ask God because we don't really care if these things are in line with God's will. And the truth is, and I just want to say this, I'm going to read myself here. A life without prayer is a life full of dangerous desires. 
And a lot of times we desire the wrong stuff because we don't pray enough. And a lot of times we don't pray enough because we desire the wrong stuff. Write that down if you're a note taker. I mean, a lot of times we, we desire the wrong things because we don't pray. And other times we, we don't pray because we desire the wrong stuff. I mean, really, if your goal is getting rich in life, it's hard to come to God every day and go, I want to get rich. You know, I want to get rich. And God's like, hey, I died for you. Maybe you should want something for me. You claim to have given your life to me, but you just want to get rich. And James is saying, like, look, this is all wrapped up in prayer. It's all wrapped up in prayer because you're not asking God for the things that you want. And when you do, you're not getting them because this is the thing, ready? You want to spend those things on your own pleasure. And this is where it all comes down to. I think that all of us, in some way, Mr. Meanie, Mr. Happy, we all feel empty. We know that this bad stuff inside of us is no good, but that's not the problem. I mean, there's just an emptiness inside of us, and we think that the winning or the girl or the money or the dinosaur will make us fuller, that it will fill us up. We know that joy and love and peace, and we know that, that like respect and, and worth, and there's a bunch of stuff that seems to be missing from our lives, and we say, well, if I just, if you, if you would just come home on time from work, then I would have, you and we would never vocalize, but I would have respect. And then I would feel full. And I would feel good. And what James is saying is like the motivation is all wrong. I mean, what James is saying is Find your fullness in the things that God wants to give you. That's the solution to not fighting. John Calvin also said this, our desires ought to be bridled. And the way of bridling them, bridled. And the way of bridling them is to subject them to the will of God. William Barclay, the ultimate choice in life lies between pleasing oneself and pleasing God. In a world in which men's first aim is to please themselves is a battleground of savagery and division. I know this isn't the most fun answer. She was causing big fights. I got to put her away. I mean, th- th- this isn't the answer you want. But the answer to your fighting problem is not the other person fixing themselves. The answer to your fighting problem is to not need anything else from the other person. Because you are finding your satisfaction in the things that God has given you And that's a little spiritual, that's hard to understand, but also in doing the things that God wants you to do. I I think of it this way. If you're having trouble fighting in your marriage or whatever, don't try to fix the other person. How about you do this? How about, as we talked about earlier, you find a widow or orphan and you go take care of them. Because this is, this is what I found. When you're doing the things that God wants you to do, when you're doing the ministries that God has called you to, when you're acting in the way that God has called you to act, then what happens is we have this satisfaction that is beyond anything that any other person or thing can give us. And when we are right with God, when we are living for God, when we are doing what God has called us to do, then, then what happens is when people stand in the way of us and winning or money or our new car or prestige or whatever it is that we want, we go, eh, it's okay. It's okay. Because I'm filled up. I am full in the things of God. 
I mean, James continues the passage and he says, like, you adulterous people don't know, you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God. I mean, that's kind of what James is saying. Like, look, 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 time, time, time. You can be friends with all this stuff and say, this is what's going to fill me up right here. I mean, this is, this is what's going to make me happy. Or you can be satisfied by God and his friendship and being connected to him. He says in James 4, 7 through 10, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I mean, resist these evil desires that are raising up inside of you and causing this clash, this war, and causing this stuff to spill out on you, (coughs) onto others and into the world because you're filled up with God and you're saying, God, I'm gonna cling to you and I'm gonna resist being driven by a life that, that has insatiable desires. James 4, 11 and 12, I'm not gonna read this all either. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. He brings it all the way back. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to destroy, save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? He's like, look, be connected to God and let God make these decisions. So here's what I want you to hear. It's really easy, really simple. A, A, point A, point one. Understand that your fights and your quarrels, the arguments you have, the wars that you have with others are caused by you not having your deepest desires fulfilled. Your desires fulfilled. Something inside of you is lacking. You know it. You could probably identify it. It's really hard. This is some advice that I got from a sermon. But to like, when you feel that anger to go away, it's not anger. I'm actually, I actually feel very self-conscious right now or I feel embarrassed or I feel disrespected and to really identify that. But, but just recognize that it's from, the fights are coming from a desire inside of you. And, and for some of you, this is, this, this is big. The only way you're gonna stop fighting is to accept Jesus as the savior and lover, protector of your soul. Because you will never, this is the reality that we see in the Bible, that we see as Christians, you are never going to have those deepest needs, wants, satisfied apart from a relationship with Jesus. You won't. You're gonna spend your whole life fighting for that forgiveness that plagues you. But the regret will still be there. And you're like, if I could just get forgiveness, then these fights would stop, you know. You're going to spend your whole life trying to get over, uh, you know, past hurts and failures and things. You're going to spend your whole life trying to find joy. You're going to spend your whole life trying to find contentment. If I just get that next job, then I'll be content. If I just can get to retirement, then I'll be content. You're going to spend your whole life. The gospel shows us that Jesus came to die to set us free from sin so that someday, yes, we might go to live in heaven, but so that now we could be satisfied and full and joyful and whole in him. You need to give your life to Jesus. For others of us in this room that are, that are Christians, we, we need to have our spiritual nature be the drive, the focus of our lives. We need to find our fulfillment in God and not other things. Maybe some of you, you're fighting all the time. And, and this is what I noticed. Like people just get stuck in these, these moments. And they could last for 20 years. People are just fighting, 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 fighting. And it's been going on for 20 years. And their marriage is never going to get better. And they're never going to get along with their parents. I, maybe you should stop thinking about the other person and start doing something that God wants you to do. 
I mean, maybe instead of just fighting all the time, you could make like ending poverty your ultimate goal. Because it's really hard when, when you know, you come in and then your, your, your mom or your dad looks at you and goes, is that really what you're going to wear out to dinner? You know, and you're like, I'm 35 years old. I get dressed for myself. And then you're like, I, you know, it's really hard to care about that when, you know, you're thinking about like, well, you know, I've met 10 people this week that can't feed themselves. And, and really my focus and the drive of my life is to help them. And, and I love what God's doing in me and the, comp- the things he's accomplishing. I mean, that's, right? I mean, isn't that hard? Like, you're not like, okay, mom, you know, that's great, dad. So you don't like it. I don't really care. I wouldn't say that. And so here's here's just a little alliteration, I guess, um, which I don't do, but um, here it is, just a bunch of P words. It's on version. if you follow us on the version Bible app, uh, and you can write it down if you want to. Peace comes through. Pause, first thing. You got to pause. You have to pause or else you're going to fight. And here's the, the second one is ponder. And here's people used to, my great grandma used to tell me count to 10. And for me, counting to 10 was like, um, it was like a countdown to when I could be angry again. Like, and it was building, building. It was like a rocket ship, right? Uh, you can think I have a horrible temper by the end of this. I really don't have a temper. My wife would, I mean a big temper. My wife would attest to that. But it's like, okay, I'm counting to 10. And it's like 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, That's kind of what it looks like like right but but the second thing is we pause you know how can we do this because you know instead of that just pause and then ponder and then go okay what what is it that I really want what is it that I'm really looking for what is it that 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 really bothers me about what that person said or what that person did I mean what is what is what is it I really need right now is it respect is it joy is it peace is it is it stability I mean what is that causing me to see that I'm missing in my life and then ask why do you want it It could be good or bad it's all part of the pause and then pray and say God here's what I'm missing I need it from you is there anything I need to do for you in order to get that am I feeling insecure because I'm not actually living out the faith that you have called me to and is there something I need to change? Something I need to do different? And so it, here it is. This, I think this is what James is getting at. It's very simple. If you want to have peace in your relationships, you need to pause, you need to pr- ponder, and you need to pray. And I think, as this is, I mean, it's been a test all week. And because, you know, when you're preaching on arguing, then you got to like really work at it or else you're a hypocrite. Nobody likes a hypocrite. And, and so it's been a test all week, and I've been trying. It's like, okay, God, Bryn said this. Here's what I think that I'm really just, I feel like I'm lacking because of it. How can you give it to me? Because I really just want to please you. That should be the fourth P. Just please God. I mean, what is it that you need to do to please God? Just before I close, a little note to you. Um, don't try to tell the other person to do it. I did try this this week. Bren, here's the problem. The reason you're mad at me is not because you're angry. It's because you feel disrespected right now. Uh, I'll show you disrespected. <laughs> she didn't do that or make that noise. But, uh, but you know, that doesn't work. This is not about, and this is my last just kind of final send-off right here, ready? This is not about, because this will be the tendency. 
go home and say, I know why you get so mad at me, you know? I mean, I, I, Mom, I had a sermon, and you need to listen to it online. This is, most of the time I think you should share all my sermons. This might not be one you just, I got a sermon for you, you know? I mean, this is the sermon, and you need to pay really close attention to it. This is for us. Not to look and say, if they would just, you know, pause and ponder and pray and then try to please God. This is for, this is for us to say, I need to pause, ponder, pray, and then please God, which I just made up on the spot. And, and so here, ready? All of it. All of it can be fixed. Everything. If we recognize that, that, that our fights come not from what the other person is doing, but what we desire. And, and if we will learn to put into practice these principles of fighting for peace through pausing, pondering, and praying, and then pleasing God. Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for your greatness and your goodness and, and just how big and awesome you are, but yet how you would put into your Bible this, this passage of Scripture that doesn't say anything about you. It's really about helping us. And we know God, and we just talked about how the, the help can ultimately only come from you. From following your word, from knowing and, and believing, embracing your gospel, from trying to live out the Christian faith, God. We, we know that, and we get that. But it's incredible to me, God, that you would just care enough about us to, to help us solve our problems. And Lord, for the for the the non-Christian person who's here listening, God, I pray that they would just right now just see how much you love us, to care about us that much, to care about us so much that you would give us this this document full of stuff about you and a story that really expresses your love for the world and your greatness and your holiness, but also include in it things that just help us, that help our marriages and our relationship with our parents and our relationship with our friends and our children and all be better, God. It's really, it's really, it's really Beautiful. God, I know. I could tell by the looks. Just people looking up at me, and I'm the only one confessing that Bryn and I argue. I guess I'm confessing for Bryn. Uh, but God, I, I, I can tell by the looks that every person that sits in front of me deals with this, probably struggles with this. I thank you for the great uh, examples in front of me, people who have been married a long time, who've really worked on some of this, but we all struggle with it, I think, and I pray that you would help us now. If you need to bring somebody to salvation, bring them to salvation, God. If you need to, to just cause somebody to, to learn to pause, then just in this moment, to convict them of that. If you need to make sure that somebody, God, is actually uh, praying to you and, and really saying, hey, I need this from you and really engaging you. If somebody needs to do something, they're not being obedient to you and that's what's causing kind of the emptiness, then, then show them that and teach them, Lord. We all, I just want this to fall in the right place on people where they're at, God. Hope it'll fix marriages and friendships and, and, and parents-kid relationships, but you know where it needs to fall, Lord. And so I pray that you'd help it to fall there this morning and you would cause a response in people. I pray these things in your name. Amen.